What's up, everybody? You are tuned into the Elks Call with the Elks Herd. My name is Scout, aka the rep from Section X. And I'm Catherine, aka Do You Even Elks? And today, our special guests are Montreal podcasters Shane and Dawson of the Bird Flock Podcast. Shane and Dawson, how are you guys doing today? What's going on, guys? We're doing good. Thanks for having us. Shane, how how you doing over there? Were you uh, going hard at that party at the parade today? Uh, I mean, I wasn't going hard, but man, you could definitely see the excitement levels there, and uh, definitely saw a lot of those players going hard. Nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, you definitely don't want to be going as hard as those players because uh, you know they they just want a championship, a big old gray cup. That's what we're celebrating today on the show. So. Uh, once again, Shane and Dawson, thanks a ton for joining us, and we're uh, we're stoked for this stacked show. Um, real quick, before we go through the schedule, we want to thank everybody for tuning in. Huge announcement from earlier this week: the Elks Call podcast is now on TuneIn Radio. So, if you have the app, uh, you can listen to your favorites, such as like one hundred point three, The Bear here in Edmonton, <laughs> Edmonton Sports Talk. And now the Elks call right alongside. So really cool. So thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. No matter where you're tuning in from, whether it be the uh, your favorite pod catcher or even live tonight on Shotgun Sports Network or on Edmonton Sports Talk, Friday nights at 8 o'clock. Now then, this show, we got a lot to talk about. We're going to do a quick recap on the CFL Grey Cup Final from this past weekend, a massive 28-24 Alouettes win against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And then following that, we're going to open up our fan forum where we talk about hot topics surrounding the CFL and the sports world as a whole. After the fan forum, we're going to give you an Edmonton Sports update and then interview our guests in The More You Didn't Know. Uh, so if you're watching live, make sure you blow up the herd chat. With your questions and comments, as we'll read them during tonight's show, mm-hmm. Kathy. Yeah, let's uh, let's get going. We're gonna start by doing the recap of the Grey Cup game. We're gonna do a half by half. I'll stop in the half so that we can discuss a little bit. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, the final game of the 2023 CFL season was played on Sunday at Hamilton's Tim Hortons Field in front of a sellout crowd. It looked like a fantastic crowd. Where the Montreal Alouettes, as Scout just said, they defeated the Winnipeg Blue Bombers by a 28-24 score. This was definitely a defensive battle, and it marked the Alouettes' first Grey Cup win since 2010. And, I mean, we went into the game with the Blue Bombers announcing that same day that receiver Dalton Schoen and linebacker Adam Big Hill uh, would both be active for the game, despite neither being playing, you know, practicing all week and they were not even part of the warm-up that same day for the pregame so you knew that they were definitely taking a risk there they were throwing everything into this game even at the risk of further injury so 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 real quick before we go further uh shane we'll start with you did you think that this was mind games by uh coach o'shea did you think they were really going to play I mean, I guess it was mind game because it got me, to be honest. Um, kind of sitting there <laughs> waiting for the game to start. I think Dawson even kind of texted me. It was like, "Hey, look, I, I'm pretty sure Big Hill's out." I didn't. I didn't say look. I said confirmed. Big Hill's not playing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not, I mean, not that you ever see a lot of guy a guy get hurt, but it was kind of like a little bit of you know relief off off my shoulders, uh, knowing how good he's been in, in his career. But when I saw him come out, I was like, Dawson, man, <laughs> you told me you're out. So, Dawson, you obviously thought the same thing then. You thought Big Hill and uh, Schoen weren't going to be playing at all. Yeah, I mean, TSN kind of led me to think that too. They're like, oh, they haven't warmed up. Dalton Schoen hasn't practiced since September 28th. I'm like, oh, okay, there's no way. And then there they are trotting out. And even during the anthem, Schoen's wearing a big big jacket. I look at my mom. I'm like, oh, he's not playing. He's not playing. And then lo and behold, he's out there on the first drive. And then, yeah, of course, that would be a scary moment for any Montreal <laughs> fan, of course. And I mean, it definitely seemed like it would pay off when Winnipeg got the scoring started in the first quarter. 
you know, they nailed a 25 year uh, yard field goal by Sergio Castillo uh, to take a 3-0 lead with just eight minutes and 32 seconds to go in the first. Um, a quick first try from the Alouettes quickly gave the ball back to Winnipeg just over a minute later on their own 44-yard line. And after a two-and-out uh, from the Alls offense that almost resulted in an interception on Fajardo, sorry, sorry, my Spanish is coming out for all of these, Fajardo, <laughs> the Colaros got to work. And uh, yeah, Kolaris got to work and completed a 66-yard drive that running back Brady Oliveira scoring the first touchdown of the day. And of course, Castillo's convert made it a solid 10-0 Bombers lead. Um, I mean, Montreal replied with a major score of their own on the next drive with the Alouettes' uh, William Stanback breaking open a 35-yard rush touchdown to get his side back within a single score within five seconds left in the first quarter. So, so Shane and Dawson, uh, once again, we'll start with you, Shane. What, what were your guys' thoughts on that first quarter? I'm not going to lie to you. When it was 10 nothing, I was freaking out. I was nervous. I mean, I had seen it so often from, from Winnipeg when they get out early and, and that the way that defense plays, I was scared. I was nervous. And then – Again, when when I saw Stanback running, I was like, okay, okay, why is it, why are they not diving? What's happening? And then he got in the end zone, and it was just me and a couple of my boys at the bar, and we went off when he scored that touchdown. It was it was exciting and uh, kind of right back into the game, and um, you felt from there that all right, now now the defense uh, that we've seen is kind of going to settle in uh, that we've seen all year, and and, and kind of get pressure on, on Zach Kalaros, and and hopefully the offense uh, wakes up after that touchdown. No, exactly. No, I, I, I was hoping as well. Uh, I threw down some money on the Alouettes. Uh, uh, Dawson, what about you? I mean, I don't know. I don't know where we stand here on the Elks herd um, in relation to, to pro versus anti-ref, but I'm just going to come out and say that the, the, the Bombers were kind of gifted that first touchdown um, on a brutal, brutal roughing call, I thought, um, when it looked like the Owls held them to three. When they went in, I exactly like Shane I was like okay I'm I'm getting nervous here um and then obviously before the standback play that before the standback run there's a a nice grab by Austin Mack too that set all that up so um once that started rolling I, I felt a lot more confident being down only three heading into the second off two drives really you, your first drive was two plays and this is your first major drive I felt good I felt we can we can take it to these guys they got gifted that touchdown. Our defense held strong our, all year. Our defense has been bend, but don't break. Um, and I felt they did that on that drive and Winnipeg got bailed a little bit, but um, no, I felt really good heading into the second. Yes. And the second quarter, I mean, it wasn't quite as high scoring, but it did have the owls beginning to seize momentum. Uh, the defense got a first turnover of the night with Keontae Evans recovering the ball. Uh, Unfortunately, no points came out of that, however. And, of course, the Bomber special teams unit did its part to take the momentum back and get the ball in close enough range for Castillo to kick it in. Uh, so at this point, you know, the Bombers defense came up with a big turnover with eight seconds left in the opening half to keep the score at 17-7. So, yeah, let's take, a you know, that second half. I mean, nothing much seemed to happen, really. But, no, we can uh, stop it, though. But at this point, you know, 17-7, what were your thoughts? Do you think that you you guys still had a chance to come back even stronger at that point? Or were you kind of giving up hope? <laughs> no, I mean, I, never in that game did I know that I was ever going to give up hope. Um, but I, I think, you know, this eye in the sky thing has to be figured out for the CFL because, you know, it's there to prevent uh, penalties that the refs don't see. And, um I don't. I don't know on on that goal line stand when you see a guy's helmet fully, you know, in the neutral zone, how that doesn't get called. But um, <clears throat> you know, I don't think Caleb will, Caleb Evans missed one of those all year. Um, and then you you give him two shots from the wide yard line, he's not going to miss it often. And then you see the picture, and it's just frustrating, right? Um, you know, you think going into halftime after they get that stop that they're going to have you know all the momentum, and then it's a, a long halftime, and then you're kind of freaking out as a fan. Um, to be honest, I don't even hear, think I heard a second of, of Green Day playing because I was panicking a little bit. Um, but then, 
you know, and then and Twitter was kind of popping off, and and I'll let Dawson take it away because he has more to talk about the rest than I do. But yeah, it was just a long halftime for me. No, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll let it slide. I'll I'll let them slide. I think Shane gave them their uh, their fair share of uh, of banter there, but no, that that was definitely a momentum. I don't want to say a momentum killer because look what the Owls did when they came out in the third quarter. Um, and I think the big thing on Twitter from a lot of armchair coaches was. How do you not take the field goal? How do you not make this a one-score game? If I'm in that situation and I'm Coach Moss, I'm Anthony Calvillo, I am 100 times out of 100 giving the ball to Caleb Evans on third and goal and trying to score a major there. There's no way I'm kicking the field goal from the one ever. And you could say it's all hindsight at that point, right? Obviously, if we knew we weren't going to get it, yeah, sure, go kick the field goal and make it a one-score game. But I I have – no doubt that if I they were put in that position again, again a hundred times out of a hundred, they're 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 giving Caleb Evans the ball. Yeah, it was a stressful moment. I remember turning around to scout, and I mean, I'm not sure if you guys have seen any of the Edmonton Elks past games, but there was a few moments in the last season that uh, Taylor Cornelius was placed in the same situation of you know third and goal or second and gold and we completely you know ruined it there and i was like oh that gave me mild ptsd right there well see (laughs) and and even then like even to go back on that you had kai loxley playing short yardage so taylor cornelius was the starter um there was many problems you know within that scenario on Mm -hmm. its own um but even then the failure to punch it through is just to get that first down or to get the touchdown when you're on the one yard line, it's painful. It's it's one of the most painful plays you could have to watch, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's same deal. We were we were cheering for the Alouettes. We definitely wanted the Alouettes to um, give them the a Yeah, <laughs> give him some money back from his vet. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I had to, I had to throw down a couple bucks. Um, so yeah, so then we yeah. went into the second half. Yeah, I mean the uh, the Owls opened the second half by making up for their missed touchdown opportunity. I mean, can we talk about that spectacular one-handed catch by Mac that got the Owls to the Bombers' 33-yard line? How crazy was that one? Yeah. It was It was something to watch. Uh, Fajardo, or Fajardo, then found <laughs> Cole Spiker. Speaker, speaker. Okay. Speaker for the remaining 23 yards on the next play uh, with Cote's Cote's. Names, man. I'm bad with these. Cote's Convert had the Els trailing 17-14 just two minutes into play. Uh, Then, of course, we had first-year cornerback Ento getting between Kalaris Ball and receiver Kenny Lawler putting in a fantastic interception that gave the Els the ball back. And, of course... For the second time in the game, though, the Owls were not able to capitalize on that and they did not get any points on that turnover, which forced the team to punt the ball away. Uh, after that, though, the Bombers took just, you know, they took a turn and getting another turnover and not doing anything with it, uh, which gave Fajardo the opportunity to complete an impressive drive um, together with a 13-yard toss to Mac giving them the third offense touchdown of the game. With Cote's convert, then they got the lead at 21-17. So that must have been an exciting time, hey? What, what were your thoughts at this point, guys? I mean, yeah, awesome, Mac. Uh, I'm not going to talk, talk about what happened on that catch. I mean, it was a catch. There's, There's a reason catch. it was a one-handed catch. It's because <laughs> yeah. the other one was being held out. things that happened, but... Um, the yank, we we saw the yank. We, yeah. we that was gonna be a like you had to know that that was either going to be called or caught, and it was caught. And good thing because for whatever reason, it was a completely missed call. I know. Yeah, um, but after that, him catching the ball and then and then speaker scoring the touchdown. I don't think I've ever had more faith in that team than I did after he scored that touchdown. I don't know what happened in that moment, but. Um, it was kind of like we said before. We thought, I, well, me, I'm not going to speak for Dawson, but I figured uh, Winnipeg was going to have all the momentum uh, based on stopping them at the one-yard line. And and kind of in that first drive coming out and scoring in the way that they did, I was like, oh, my God. I don't know what Moss said at halftime, but these boys came out firing. And uh, especially after the drives they, you know, didn't really put together, I guess, in the first half, uh, coming out on your first drive and, and just looking like a smooth operation. I uh, got the juices flowing again, and then 
going into the fourth quarter up um, by four points, I think it was, after that Austin Max Green touchdown. Um, I, I, I knew. I was like, we're not losing this game. This this is it. Um, this defense is is too hard to score against. Um, you know, they're not they're not going to let it happen more than once. Um, and I think the Alouettes can kick a field goal at that point, right? So um, I knew going into that fourth quarter. Was I stressing? Stress was at an all-time high, absolutely. But uh, I, I had that feeling that the, that game wasn't being let up. Yeah, and you, you mentioned it before. Even though I think it led to a two and out, that KB and Ento interception is, was the, for me, was the game changer in that game. I don't think people value how big that play was, even though it led to a two and out. Obviously, the, the Blue Bombers are driving, and it shut that drive down. But just the momentum that I think the team, and more specifically the defense as a whole, took from that interception was, was invaluable for the rest of the game. Well, we, we talk about momentum swings a lot, obviously, with Edmonton Elks games. Mm-hmm. We've seen the momentum shift the other way in way too many games over the last three years at Commonwealth Stadium. Uh, so when you see a play like that happen, that Ento interception, crazy. And the distance, I saw Marshall Ferguson do a breakdown of that interception and how much ground he had to cover. Mm-hmm. It is insane. It is a crazy good play. Uh, I think it even it even got so much attention that Big Hill uh, spoke up in that thread and Marshall Ferguson kind of asked a question and Big Hill said, this isn't the place for us to talk about our, our playbook. So, yeah, I mean, total respect for that. But once again, that just goes to show how great that was. The team got on board after that in the fourth quarter was definitely once again one for the for the record books. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, after this point, the Bombers just responded, you know, in turn. Uh, they had Kalaros leading a drive that had uh, Prukov completing a touchdown from the four-yard line. You know, that was 10, 10 minutes or so into the fourth, and the Bombers led at 24-21. Mm-hmm. So the Owls got the ball back at their own 21-yard line with under two minutes to play. Evans kept the drive alive at midfield on a second and two, but Fajardo was sacked. So the the Owls put their season on the line in a third and five, and Fajardo came through with a huge 31-yard toss to a speaker, moving the ball to Winnipeg's 21-yard line. And then his next play was a 19-yard dart to Philpott for the last touchdown with 13 seconds left in the game. With the last convert, the game ended at 28-24 for the Owls. How crazy was that moment? I got goosebumps. You just reenacted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Dawson said, definitely goosebumps again. Just just listening to it, and I I think I've watched that that Tyson Philpot catch about three thousand times in the last uh, four days, and ever since then, it's still it's still goosebumps every time. But um, kind of seeing Fajardo get sacked, uh, you know, a, a little panic started setting in, and then. Going to the third down play, you know, you know it's all or in, or nothing at that point, right? It's if they don't get this, it's over. If they get this, you know they still got a chance. Um, and even just needing a field goal there, uh, you know, getting that play set them up for field goal position. So you knew you you were kind of okay. Um, but when I saw that ball in the air, it felt like that ball was in the air for for half an hour when he threw it on that third down to, to speaker. Um, you know, expecting kind of a short, maybe slant route to to Snead or or Philpott, um, based on what they've been doing all game. Uh, and then that ball, he just kind of slings it up in the air, and you don't know who's on the other side for it, right, um, based on the camera angle, and, and just seeing Speaker kind of go up for it. And the pause in your heart, um, bringing it down was amazing. Um, and then kind of seeing, you know, same thing on the next next play, I think it was, when he when he went to the end zone um, for Philpott, and I sat there, and, I couldn't believe it. I thought I'm sitting there waiting for like just in case the ref says it's incomplete kind of thing. And my buddy sitting next to me was like, "Hey, uh, are you, are you going to celebrate?" And I'm like, "Okay, I'm I'm sitting there waiting for the refs, you know." And he throws his hands <laughs> up, and I just start jumping up and down. And and it was it was just a mo- an amazing moment that uh, you know me and my boys are going to have. But it was just, I was waiting for something to go wrong uh, <laughs> on that catch. No, that's I can't okay. believe- Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say, that's amazing. Uh, Dawson, what, what, how, how, how did you feel at that moment? What was that like? I mean, I'm going to take it a play or two back. I can't believe we haven't talked about Cody taking off for 15 yards on second and 18. That was, for me, another another huge play, and it just shows you know, what a game Cody had. Um, but just going back to that, I was in a similar situation as Shane, the, the speaker... Uh, third down convert, I'll vouch that ball was in the air for 17 seconds at least. Um, it, like my heart was racing and felt straight out of a movie. And then the fill pot, I, I genuinely, I think I blacked out. I don't know. I, I ran around my house. I ran outside. I, I, yeah, I, I had a, I had a much faster reaction than Shane. I, you know, I, I, the second I saw that ball touch his hands, I bolted. I started screaming. So, um, I definitely didn't have the, uh, the, the, the hesitation Shane did, but no, just the, the feeling afterwards and, you know, being with my dad and all that, it was just unreal. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, I get it though. I get it because after that, there was still another play and, you know, yeah. the bombers got the shot and there were 10 seconds on the clock. And I was just like, Oh no, Oh no, because you never know what could happen. Right. No. So it was stressful. It was a stressful last like 13 seconds of the game. No, ex exactly. Uh, real quick. In the herd chat, Steve Benassi. Good evening, Steve. Uh, make sure everybody get in on the herd chat uh, because we're going to have the fan forum here right away. Uh, Steve, why don't you tell us who your Grey Cup pick was? Uh, please throw it in the herd chat. Good to see you tonight. And uh, Grey Cup Festival. Let's, let's talk about that real quick. So... There's a lot of fans that went went to Hamilton, got to witness the Alouettes in that probably the most exciting, one of the most exciting Grey Cup games I think I've ever seen. Um, like, Catherine, what did you think of last year's Grey Cup in comparison to this one? I don't remember it. Yeah, see, so there you go. So uh, it, it, this is definitely one of the most exciting Grey Cups I've ever seen. So, uh, And also, Hamilton put on one hell of a Grey Cup festival. However, something that we've kind of talked about here before we went live, COVID ended up running rampant through the Grey Cup Festival. So we're seeing reports on X, multiple fans getting tested as positive, of course, as soon as they come back uh, to, their, to, their, to their hometown where their, their base city, they're getting tested and they're finding out that they had COVID and Unfortunately, a lot of the people that you're seeing that got COVID, there's a lot of pictures out there with them with other people. So, um, <laughs> fair warning to anybody that went to that co uh, to the to the COVID festival, wow, to the Great Cup festival. Um, <laughs> Just call it the COVID. Oh uh, no, no, and and <laughs> to go ahead and chirp uh, on Hamilton. This apparently was like the best Great Cup festival. In recent years, especially because they had just let up and eased up on COVID restrictions and everything else. I think last year, even in Regina, there were still a couple of restrictions and there was, you know, it still wasn't 100%. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the moment we let our guard down, the moment we want to have fun, <laughs> the moment we what we think that COVID's not going to drop. Uh, what are we on? COVID twenty three, going into COVID twenty yeah, four. So. I mean, this is a great cup variant. This is yeah, it's a great cup variant. Yeah. Cup variant. I like that. I like that. And uh, just so everybody's clear, we're definitely not going to be getting political about it or anything like that. We're just giving everybody the heads up. Um, you know, was it like? I, I guess what the question here is, Shane and Dawson. Uh, is do you think that this is a surprise? Should we be surprised that? That we were seeing a lot of people that came back with this illness. I don't even know how to ask that, man. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know either. Um, the only thing I'd say to that is anyone who went to the parade, probably watch out today too because there's a lot of drinks going around there, a lot of drink sharing, a lot of hugging there too. But no, I mean, yeah, I, I think that it, I'm not surprised, I guess I could say. Um, I, I obviously wish everyone a a very quick recovery, but yeah, I won't say I'm surprised necessarily if it was a, a flu or anything like that. I think any big event, any big festival like that, it's going to, it's going to happen. So uh, I, no, necessarily we have kids that are in school. Yeah. They're, you know, kids are gross. Yeah, you kids know, are gross. 
<laughs> you're guaranteed to get sick regardless. So yeah. the one thing that I have to say is wash your hands. It. Worth it. Worth it. <laughs> <laughs> We're there. I mean, if you're, yeah, I mean, hey, you know, if you're been... there, if you're there having the time of your life at the Grey Cup, you know, there's always the risk, regardless of where you go. We also went to Toronto just a month ago or so. Yeah. And even in the airport, even in the airplane, even wherever you go, you always have that thought of like, oh man, I'm going to get COVID. Yeah. <laughs> but no, we, hey, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those events. Everybody let their hair down and yeah. stuff happens. And biggest thing is wash your hands and, I hope everybody heals up. And yeah. I mean, for next year for BC, do I think it's going to be a factor? Not really. Maybe people will remember the Hamilton one and uh, they will remember to maybe just wash their hands and maybe distance a little bit. But um, even then, I, I don't yeah. know if we can say that we would do that, right? We're, yeah. we're going to be taking pictures with people and drinking with people yeah. and X, Y, Z. So just get a booster or something. Yeah. But, so, I mean, I could guarantee you if I was in Hamilton, and they won that game, I was not staying six feet apart from someone, man. That, that's exactly that. it, right? You're going to be hugging everybody. <laughs> See, like I, I said, would also get COVID 20 times for another Al's Grey Cup, so. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's the way to look at it. There you go. But before we move on to yeah. the next segment, we did have Steve answering our question, and he bet on Montreal, and he made some decent cash out of that. So, Steve, I don't know you, but you're a smart guy. There you go. Steve is a smart guy, especially tuning into the Elks call tonight on Shotgun Sports Network. He also says shit happens and uh, we get over it and we move on. And that's uh, that's exactly what we're going to do with this last segment. <laughs> <clears throat> Moving right along. Ladies and gentlemen, you have entered the fan forum where we're going to talk about some hot topics surrounding the CFL and the sports world as a whole. Our live listeners will get to chime in on each topic we discuss. So make sure you comment in the herd chat on YouTube as we ask each question and we will get we will take a look in the herd chat right after we've answered. So fan forum topic number one. Very obvious. <laughs> Montreal Montreal defeated the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in an upset win in the 2023 Grey Cup. While most fans, pundits, and media members had Winnipeg winning the cup. Kathy and I actually had Montreal winning it all. The players themselves said that they felt the disrespect, so that begs the question, were the Montreal Alouettes underestimated, and when did their season turn the corner? Shane? Um, I say it often, and, and I think it's going to be my answer until the day I die. It's uh, the Darnell Sankey and, and Sean Lemon additions to this defense. Um, I've never seen two guys come in mid-season. Um, like we said on, on the pot, on the bird flock, um, not not two guys that were traded for, two guys off the couch um, that came in and, and made that impact. And Sankey actually even talked uh, today at the parade uh, very briefly, but you could just see the type of leader he is and, and you could see why guys would rally around him in the locker room and, and seeing how happy Sean Lemon was today at the parade. Like, you know how much it meant to him to – to finally prove that he, you know, he could get another one and, 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 you know, cement his career as a future first ballot hall of famer. So those guys coming off the couch was, was to me the easiest turning point I could think of <laughs> in my life. 100%. I'm, I'm piggybacking off that one hard. Um, the only thing I'll add, and it, it was, you know, a mid season win and Shane and I were actually both at the game in Ottawa um, Montreal had a huge come from behind last second victory against Ottawa. Um, and I really feel like ever since then that, that was again, one of Sean Lemon's coming out parties, one of his first games. I don't even think Darnell Sankey was signed yet. Um, but just knowing how this team can come together and really more importantly, come behind Cody. Uh, oh no, K K Cody wasn't even playing. Yeah, that was it. Evans. Um, but I, again, even just at that coming through adversity, um, I really think the team got behind that game and just talking to some of the players that game for them, I think was a pretty big turning point too, um, just in, in their season in general. Yeah, no, I, I, I'd agree. Um, I would say the arrival of Sankey, I think when Sankey decided to go there over Saskatchewan or over anywhere else, really, he picked Montreal. He said we were going to win, win the gray cup. And even when you saw them play in Edmonton against the Elks, and for years we have 
you know, believed that we were going to win all of our games against the Alouettes. For years, we, we've never really looked at the Alouettes as a contender, and I get it. Yeah, we're the, we're the Edmonton Elks fans talking over here. <laughs> Listen to these guys talking about contenders, eh? So, anyways, when we saw them play, it looked like a complete team. Their defense was good. We were having a rough go playing against those guys. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was wild, wild to see them turn it around. And then just, just like Ryan Messer here of Shotgun Sports. Uh, of of uh, the Stallion Stampede here, negative media conversations create locker room fuel, and that that that's kind of how the playoffs went for the Montreal Alouettes, right? That was the Montreal Alouettes. They they turned it around, and with that Toronto Argonauts, like that win over the Argonauts, mm-hmm. it was at that moment that I believed that the Alouettes were going to do take it all. Um, even Steve, Steve Benassi says it was week 16. That was the turning point. Oh yeah. Over the low life stamps. I appreciate that comment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but I mean, I, I think I said it last week too on, on the last episode that we had is that the Alouettes went in with a different kind of pressure, right? Everybody was looking to the bombers to be the, the, the number one team. They, a lot of people automatically assumed that they would be the winners, the thing about that with the Alouettes is that they went in with not a lot of pressure from the fans or from the media to present a certain type of product. And the nice thing about that is that now it gives them the opportunity to come in hungry for the love of the game. They're going to go in and put it all on the line because they have absolutely nothing to lose and nobody to impress and they're just going to do it for themselves. Well, and Ray, that's actually what Ray said from Ray and Benny Talk Sports. Mm-hmm. Also, go check them out, everybody. But Ray, Ray last week on the show also said that Montreal's coming in loose. Mm-hmm. So that was that was a big contributing factor as well. You had hungry guys, but you didn't have guys that were so uptight and scared to lose. Whereas Winnipeg, they looked like they were scared to lose. And you could see in those final two shutdowns by at the Alouette's defense to get the ball back for the third down plays for the three down, three down football that would eventually win them the game. Um, in those two shutdowns on that last bombers drive, that was it. Like you, you, you had a feeling that at that moment they were going to win the gray cup. So um, yeah, just, just, just beautiful. And I, once again, the nitro fuel, right. As Stephen Assey said, and Ryan Messer, all of that negative media just just amped them up. And the combination of that and the bombers stressing about losing, it was it was eventual doom for the for Winnipeg. Yeah. Well, I think so, it was Montreal came in genuinely insulted. Yeah. Um, and I, I honestly think rightfully so. From the beginning of the year, you saw it. We it was the first thing we tweeted out. Preseason power rankings had the Montreal Alouettes coming off a great game in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Argos as the number nine seed in the entire league, which was crazy to begin with. Shane had a famous rant where he was talking about how somehow the Hamilton Tiger Cats had a higher percentage of hosting the the Eastern semifinals after we had beaten them twice by 10 plus points. They we were ahead of them, two games ahead of them in the power rankings and they were just, you know, they they kept doubting us, not to you know, sound cliché, but the, the Alouettes were doubted the entire playoff run and I think they really came into the Grey Cup insulted. No, totally. Uh, Montreal believed that they deserved to be there and were fired up that the media didn't think they deserved to be there. They were disrespected. You Steve show Cassie. You got to show them. Yeah, you got to. And, and, and <laughs> they got those kind of guys. I mean, Sean Lemon, once again, the amount of adversity yeah. that that guy saw this season, um, you know, he's he, he's failed to make it to the Edmonton, Edmonton Elks roster, I believe, this year or last year. So it's like, um, you know, or, or 2021, I, I forget exactly, but. This guy has seen so much adversity. He went unsigned for so long, and he finally came in, and he made his impact, and he's been here all along. So um, really, really great to see. And, yeah, those additions, that definitely was a a major factor in their win this year. I Uh, just love an underdog story. I love it. I love it. I love it when somebody just comes from nowhere and just takes it all. And so. <laughs> and and they are a good team, and that's yes. now now everybody can 
like, especially after all of the trash talk from Winnipeg Blue Bombers fans. Before we go to topic number two, I will say some of the worst stuff we have seen in CFL fandom. Somebody was disclosing the information of the Montreal Horn guy in one of the Blue Bombers group, groups. We did talk about it on X. You never want to see that stuff. You do not share somebody's information and tell them, you tell, tell your group to send them a message. Uh, that just, that's, that's cruel. That's, that's straight up bullying. That's Jesus. bullying. It's a, it's <laughs> harassment, I believe, yeah. by the legal code, right? But yeah. it's it's just say, yeah, <laughs> brutal. So, who cares if everybody hates the horn? Okay, I like the horn. I love the horn. Yeah. <laughs> it's also it's also way worse on TV than it is in the stadium. In the stadium, yeah. you don't you don't even notice it. And honestly, on TV, it's nearby, really unless you're around him. But yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. As I've said multiple times before, I said beside a guy that has a horn and blows it with all his might and blows out his lip every single time. So <laughs> I get it. <laughs> oh, and Steve Anassi here in the Hurt Chat bringing us right into our second fan forum topic. Mm -hmm. Steve Anassi said it was nice to see Jason Moss get the win too. He's a real leader, even as a quarterback in Edmonton. So he won a Grey Cup in Edmonton mm -hmm. as a backup, uh, or you know, as a, just as a quarterback. But Jason Moss has now officially won a Grey Cup as the head coach of the Montreal Alouettes. Mm -hmm. So this is his third coaching stint in recent years after after a stint as offensive coordinator of the Rough Riders after being released as head coach of the then Eskimos. Did these teams slip up in letting Jason Moss move on, or was this part of the process for Jason Moss? Shane, what do you believe? I think that's exactly what it was. I think it was part of the process. Um, I, I think I said it last week or maybe the week before, but I said um, this team took the identity of their coach, and that was the underdog thing. That was the kind of <laughs> island of misfit toys type of thing. No one wanted us. Um, so now here we are. And, and it was the same thing with, with Cody Fajardo when we talked to him, right. When he signed, um, it was, it was, you know, we're not here to, to just play football. We're here to, to prove that, you know, we got something left in the tank and, um, yeah, you know, second, third opportunities don't come often in, in professional leagues, but, you know, we were given one here and, and let's prove that we could run with it. And, and that was kind of the thing that I think the team rallied around is, is the true underdog thing. And I, I compared it to the, the, the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl, which was the buy into the underdog thing. Um, and they did that all year. And, and I don't think there was a better coach um, that could have led them that underdog story than, than the guy that had just got fired as an OC and then hired as a head coach. Right. So, um, and then they said Cody and, and Jason Moss couldn't work together. And, and now look at them. Yeah. Yeah, I think even to add to that, just to, to tie into how much the team, not only the players, right? The players buying into the head coach's message is one thing, but to have your entire coaching staff buy into what you're saying as well, especially given that there was three very important coaches on that staff that fully wanted and publicly stated they wanted his job, right? By Byron Archambault wanted that head coaching job. Anthony Calvillo interviewed for that head coaching job. Noel Thorpe interviewed for that coaching job. So for Jason Moss to come in and be able to bring a coaching staff together, especially filled with guys that wanted his job, again, just speaks to the type of guy and type of leader he is. Well, Noel Thorpe, he was on the 2021 first year edition of the rebranded Edmonton Elks. And he saw lots of adversity in that season and was basically you know, pushed out of town. He was run out of town. Uh, nobody really liked what he was, what, well, what he was trying to build anyways. So once again, right, like you said, I think in his, in Noel Thorpe's situation in Edmonton, he lacked any true vision with the team because it was just such a gong show at that time. You fast forward to him winning the Grey Cup now. Jason Moss has put down a vision. He's mapped out how he wants this done and he's actually brought in guys that his competitors really he's been who else better to work alongside you than 
people that have similar credentials to your job, right? It's uh, it, it just makes sense. So, yeah. Uh, and yeah, he he, Jason Moss. We've seen a lot of Edmonton Elks fans in the groups wishing that Jason Moss was back. I appreciate that because I was somebody that did not want to see Jason Moss go. Sure, he threw too many clipboards, and sure, he had too many hissy fits, and he had a really rough go at head coach in Edmonton, but that was his first head coaching stint. He didn't truly have that maturity as a coach yeah. yet. He, If anything, he still had a mentality as a of, a of a player at that point. He still had like a fire to play, right? He, the, that, that passion, he didn't know how to channel it properly. Yeah, definitely. That's just exactly what I was going to say, that I think he just needed to mature into the role a little bit more, you know, and clearly, you know, Ryan says it himself here, adversity preps you for success. So, I mean, once you've had a couple of failed positions, you tend to really internalize it and be like, okay, what is it that is missing? What is it that I can do better? And that takes on that maturity role that he took upon himself and then he got to a position that now mm -hmm. he's a successful head coach and it's also you know there's so many other aspects of the you know there's so many other things just the chemistry that you have with the team the chemistry that you have with your quarterback you know the the team that you're working with all of the other coaches you know it just it all plays together so we can't just say that hey having jason moss back here in edmonton would mm -hmm. guarantee success because that's not necessarily all that it is no no exactly now head coach of the elks we may see that down the road steve benassi i don't think we're gonna see jason moss coach the oilers anytime soon it's a big it's a, that's a big pipe dream listen it would probably be better than the garbage that we're seeing right now but uh, yeah. that's, that's a different podcast yeah that's yeah exactly <laughs> that's gonna be some penalty box hockey talk v2 uh, unannounced. Uh, speaking of podcasts, real quick. I mean, we can't we can't really leak the news too much, but to talk about things related to a podcast, Ryan Messer is going to be joining us next week on the Elks Call. Shout out Ryan for listening tonight, and once again, shout out everybody who is tuning in to the Elks Call with the Bird Flock Podcast today. <laughs> Um, all right. So ladies and gentlemen, we are going to go ahead and close the fan forum. Thank you so much, everybody, for getting in on that one. That was a fun one. That was a, that was a pretty fun one. Good thing we didn't make COVID uh, one of the set <laughs> All right. So we're going to get a little bit local here. Not local, but local with oh the Edmonton Sports Update. Shane, dance. <laughs> Today's update is brought to you by Shotgun Sports Network. Since 2018, Shotgun Sports has been providing quality content and entertainment to millions of sports fans. Check out our latest articles, podcasts, media, and more over at shotgunsportsnetwork.ca. For fans, from fans. Congratulations to the Montreal Alouettes on winning the 110th Grey Cup. They have defeated the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the Grey Cup on Sunday by a score of 28-24. In the NHL, the Edmonton Oilers host the Anaheim Ducks on Sunday. Puck drop is at 7 p.m. Mountain. In the WHL, the Edmonton Oil Kings have a busy weekend hosting the Regina Pats on Friday, followed by a trip to Calgary to take on the Hitman on Saturday. Both games are at 7 p.m. Mountain. And in U-Sports action, the Vanier Cup is this weekend, featuring the UBC Thunderbirds and the Montreal Caravan. Kickoff is on Saturday at 11 a.m. Mountain. Do you guys watch a lot of U-Sports? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Mm -hmm. That's good. Are you, are you guys competing a, completing a football sweep this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. We're going to have an article up on shotgunsportsnetwork.ca about the rise of Quebec football. It is all written up. That's going to be next week's content. Actually, no, it's going to be <laughs> Friday Friday mornings uh, because we did also cover the Football Canada Cup this year, and we watched Team Quebec absolutely dominate there to get a gold medal. We are the Elksard, 
and you're up to date. Uh, yeah, no, Quebec football right now. Big shout out to Quebec for killing it. Uh, yeah, we got a nice big detailed article coming out. So stay tuned to shotgunsportsnetwork.ca for that article. But now we're going to throw it back because the article is in the future. But we're going to throw it back with RoyalRetros.com throwback jerseys. Guys, you can use code Stampede for 10% off over at RoyalRetros.com to get some sick Alouette throwback jerseys if you so choose to do so. Um, using code 10% off, the reason for Stampede, well, we're celebrating the 2023 USFL Birmingham Stallions, which our friend Ryan Messer over at Stallion Stampede actually covered this year. Giddy up. And then we're going to talk about Things Engraved real quick. ThingsEngraved.ca is the official merchandise supplier for Shotgun Sports Network and the Elks Herd. So there's always something on sale over at ThingsEngraved.ca. And I got to do my Christmas shopping real quick <laughs> for my mom. I'm going to be going to ThingsEngraved.ca. Uh, um, last but certainly not least. Guys, if you're in a locker room and there's champagne flying everywhere, that 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 great cup champagne, you're gonna need a shower, right? Where do you come? I would say. Yeah. So <laughs> lather.com, L-A-T-H-R, Canadian soap company, lather.com. Shotgun Sports 15 is the code. You can go ahead and use that to cleanse those champagne stains. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Beautiful. All right. This is awesome. Let's close it. All right. <laughs> Folks, this is the more you didn't know, the final segment of the show. For copyright infringement. For copyright infringement, where we interview our special guests of the night, the bird flock. And anybody in the herd chat, please throw down your questions for the bird flock as we will get your questions on the show. Number one, you guys are podcasting about the Alouettes because you became fans at some point. What got you into cheering for the Owls? Um, I think for me, it was just kind of growing up, and and that's that was uh, kind of what was around, right? I grew up playing football. Me and Dawson played together <clears throat> for a while, and, and you know, you, you kind of want to see guys and, and play in your position and and stuff like that and start falling in love with the game on, on the outside of, of just playing it yourself. And, um, you know, like I said, it was, it was close. It was here going to the games was electric, um, watching on TV. It, it felt like, you know, you, you had someone to look up to, um, especially in Canada when, when I was young, I didn't really know what the NFL was obviously. Um, but, but just watching guys on TV that, you know, are, are playing from, um, you know, your hometown and then seeing guys, um, you know, Quebec guys playing out there on the field uh, kind of made me fall in love with it. And maybe, you know, growing up as a young football player made me feel like I had a chance to be on the field too one day. But um, obviously different. I'm sitting here talking about them instead of being out there. But uh, the love just, just kept growing every year. And, and that's 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 how we got here. <laughs> that's awesome. No, same deal, right? Uh, clearly not on the turf, but this is about as close as uh, we can get. Uh, what about you, Dawson? I mean, I, I feel like I was just kind of born into it. I don't remember a, a certain game or a certain season where I was just obsessed with it. Um, I, my dad and I had season tickets from the time I was maybe four or five years old. So when I say I was born into it, I really was. We like we started off out there in the trenches, end zone seats on the, the little shitty little bleachers. I don't know if I can swear, sorry, uh, on the crappy little bleachers. Um, and then, you know, had season tickets for 10 plus years. And now I... Uh, I go see these games with my good buddy Shane. Um, but yeah, no, ever since I was a little kid, I remember my the, the first Christmas gift I ever really asked for, um, and the one I wanted the most was a Ben Cahoon 86 Alouettes jersey. That was top of my wish list. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's just been a part of me ever since I was a little kid. Oh, that's, a, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, right on. So it, outside of this past Great Cup, what would you say is your favorite... Alouette's memory, or what is your favorite part of, you know, going to an Alouette's game? Uh, I can't really say the same thing for last year, but this year, just the vibe was different. Um, 
you know, uh, the new owner came in and, and, and he really bought into the team and, and really put back in the team. Um, you know, the new jerseys, those red jerseys were fire. Those are the ones I wanted them to wear on Sunday. But ultimately, I don't make that call. Um, but the, the crowd was buzzing and, and you just saw it felt like there was more more night games. I don't know if that math adds up, but for some reason, it felt like there was. And um, there's no better place to be, in, in my opinion, than uh, downtown Montreal on, on a Friday or Saturday night. Uh, especially if those boys get the win. But, um, you know, like I said, the new owner just came in in the halftime shows and he put a lot of money into the team um, and really brought the vibe up in the stadium. And there's more fans this year. And, and even if the fans, there wasn't more fans, it felt like the fans were more bought in. Um, you know, winning winning close games and winning a lot of games at home, it, that obviously helps. But the vibe was electric in the stadium every game, win or lose. And uh, obviously now I think next year is going to be even better. But you just... Year two of us having our season tickets, it was amazing. Oh, yeah, it was unreal for for us, for me too. Um, I don't want to give like a, a selfish answer, but for us this year, having started the podcast and being so lucky to have interviewed 15, 20 guys on the roster this year, um, you know, being able to go on the field after the game and chop it up with some of those guys or seeing them pregame. Um, you know, you know, standing field side and them coming up to us and saying what's up and recognizing us and messaging us on Instagram. That's such a cool memory because, like Shane said, like we grew up idolizing this team, like idolizing this team. Um, so that was just an unreal experience this year, just being able to get actually close to some of the players. Um, and then my, my favorite memory, I know you said no Grey Cup this year. I'm going to go back to the Grey Cup uh, in 2009, which is just the 13th man Grey Cup. Which was just unreal. I was just, you know, a teenager then, but what an unreal experience. Um, just seeing that, watching the whole game, obviously having season tickets that year, the Owls were a dynasty at that point. Um, that was just an unreal memory. Oh, that, totally. I've, we've actually heard about those stories recently. People have been talking about the, about it out there on X and social media. Um so talking about podcasting then, what made you want to get into podcasting? Because you guys have started off really hot here to, to start what you're doing. So, um, yeah, tell us a little bit more about that, uh, Shane. Uh, so basically what, what Dawson said to you before, I, I don't know if it was on, on air or before we started, but it kind of just started as a random text. Like, literally just like, hey, we, we both love this team. We, we're both rocking, <laughs> rocking the season tickets. Why don't, why don't we try something here? Um, and we did. And, you know, it's just fun. We didn't care who was watching. We didn't we didn't care what players were watching. We didn't care what players we were talking to. It was just great to get on and, and for an hour or, or whatever, 40 minutes, however long it was, just chop it up about football, uh, talk about the game we love and, and, and why, what we think is going to make this team successful. And, and like you said, as, as we kept going, we kind of started out with a bang. William Stanback was our first episode. Uh, Tyson Philpott was our second episode, and, and from there, it was it was all gas. And um, you know, we, we brought in guys, and and as soon as guys were signing, we were we were in their DMs, and and they were, you know, asking us stuff about you know Montreal, and and you know, two kids that have lived here our whole lives, um, they're asking us, you know, what's what spots to eat, and and Dawson was is a lot better at that, so I'll give him his his praise. He he had a list ready for these guys uh, to come in, and, and kind of things that they could do uh, on their off days, and. Um, just building, you know, connections with these guys, it, it made it more fun to do it week in and week out, right? And, and you know, talk about them to the point where we even get in text from them if we would miss a week and be like, hey, like, where's the pod this week, you know? So they bought into it too, and um, it, it just makes you want to keep going. I mean, Shane, you're just a poet today. I got nothing else to add. <laughs> um, I, th I think – I don't remember the exact conversation we were having. We were, we were texting – about the owls in some capacity and i just sent him a text i said should we just start a podcast lol and he said yeah and then the rest is history um but yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna add anything to what shane said i was thinking about it too i had that loaded up our first episode was william stanback our second episode was most outstanding canadian of the, of the great cup tyson philpot like that's just crazy um and it just speaks to the type of guys we have in montreal too like these guys are you know awesome like a anyone who listens to the podcast or anything like that will know Shane and I are huge fans of Reggie Stubblefield too. Um, you know, Shane got to talk to him at the parade today and, you know, we chop it up with him all the time. 
it's just awesome. Um, it's just unreal guys that we have in Montreal. Oh, it's, it's, it's fantastic to see what you guys are building. And of course, we see a lot of the Western Canada football and CFL and the, how big it is out here. It has taken a bit of a decline in the last while. You know, people aren't, aren't you know, losing it over seeing Mike Riley anymore. It's like, oh, well, I hope Trey Ford nails it out the park. So we don't really have the extreme fandom that we used to see. And even in Winnipeg right now, they're like rock stars out there. Willie Jefferson, like everybody recognizes Willie Jefferson, Zach Kalaros, all of those players in Montreal. It's sometimes easy to forget about how big they take it out there and how big it can be. Even with that parade today, we were talking about it earlier. The the pictures, there's just piles of people that are celebrating this Grey, Grey Cup. So um, the players coming in, they still see that. They still do see some of those pieces and the fact that you guys get to bring it point A, point B, and bring the fans closer to their favorite players. And now, you know, you guys have just covered, as a podcast, you guys have just covered a Grey Cup season. So, incredibly stoked for you guys. Um, my my personal last question is, outside of the Alouettes, what other teams do you guys cheer for? Oh, you mean any other sport, or you mean any any other sport? Like, what's your other sports teams? Yeah, I was gonna say I'm pretty locked in on the Owls. I got enough. <laughs> enough riding on them. I don't think I can cover another team. Oh but, no, that's on me. That's on me. No, what's uh, <laughs> no, what's all your other like? What other teams? What other uh, what other leagues? What you got? I mean, being from Montreal, obviously the go-to is the Habs, and and you know they're not they're not looking too hot lately. Uh, past hey, they're up three two against the Ducks right now as we're recording. there. You go. I don't know how, but the Ducks always tend to come back, so I won't get my hopes up on that one. Yeah, we were up three nothing at one point. Yeah, there you go. So <laughs> you know it's tough times for that for that team kind of right now, and um, you know I want I want to say my NFL team is even worse because it's the New York Giants, and I don't know what's happening. I got uh, Tommy Cutlet sitting there playing quarterback for me right now, and oh my god. <laughs> Uh, you know, so that, nothing's going really great for me right now. And then, obviously, a Raptors fan and uh, baseball-wise, Phillies fan. So it's just heartbreak central all over for me. Uh, <laughs> except we, except we, for we know how that feels. <laughs> we know how that feels. Hey, one one out of ten ain't bad, right? It's uh, <laughs> at least, at least yeah. one of your teams got a, a got a cup. I'm an Oilers fan right now. It's, <laughs> it's pure pain. Uh, Dawson, what about you, man? Yeah, I mean, like Shane said, I'm I'm locked in on the Owls right now. But um, NFL wise, um, I'm hurting a little bit too. I'm a Colts fan. Uh, had a lot of hope going into this year with Anthony Richardson, but uh, that went out the window pretty quick. Um, Habs fan, obviously, like Shane mentioned. Raptors fan, like Shane mentioned. And then I'm batting a little better than Shane. My college football team, I like the Washington Huskies. Just uh, a little better. Oh four years, so I'm feeling good about good. that. But uh, yeah, I'm like Shane said. I'm I'm really locked in on the Owls right now, even off season. Um, I don't know if it's because I talk about them on stream once a week, but um, <laughs> these boys have my interest just about twenty four seven. Nice. That's fine. That's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Hey, so, we got we got common common ground on the raps. Common ground. On yeah. the there we go. Oh, there you yeah. go. <laughs> that's not quite, especially for you, especially yeah, yeah. in the. <laughs> Especially in the hockey center. We're not going to talk about that right now. <laughs> go East Go. That's oh, all I got to say. <laughs> Horrible. Horrible. Um, Steve Benassi's about to go hard in the in the herd. That's no kidding. Uh, well, he did say that Montreal was his second favorite team. So uh, when he was in elementary school, he wrote a letter to Sony Wade and he replied with an autograph picture. So that's pretty cool. That's well, pretty cool. We do. I feel like that's... That kind of thing, right? If you're not here in Edmonton, if you're not cheering for the Edmonton Eskimos or Elks, you're you always have like a second favorite team. Yeah, and I've yeah. heard that before uh, with the Montreal Alouettes. But so, what is next for the Bird Flock, and what can we expect from you, and where can we find you? I'm gonna let Dawson answer that one. What's next? Um... I'll, I'll tell you right now. We we're gonna have a wicked post Grey Cup episode. Um, we're gonna we're gonna be reaching out to some of our uh, some of our friends on the team there, coaches, players, maybe uh, maybe even someone in marketing. Shout out Joey Alfieri. Um, we're gonna have a wicked post Grey Cup episode. That's for sure coming soon. 
Um, and then where can they find us? Uh, the Bird Flock Podcast on Instagram, Bird Flock Pod on X slash Twitter, and then obviously the Bird Flock Podcast on Facebook as well. And then wherever you guys enjoy your podcasts, um, we post them to YouTube, which is where you know a lot of our uh, a lot of our community hangs out. So I would uh, I would encourage you guys to go hang out over there as well. Yeah, totally. And and, and a big reminder to everybody: please pound the like button. Uh, give it a share, give us a subscribe, ourselves over here at Shotgun Sports Network, LTD, and then, of course, uh, Bird Flock Pod, the Bird Flock Pod, uh, once again, wherever you can find them. So, um, yeah, you guys are everywhere. You guys have been doing fantastic at delivering content to CFL fans. We were talking about a little uh, earlier before we live, but, you know, and CFL popping up everywhere. You guys have actually been around here. You guys started in 2023. It's right in your logo. Really cool to see. A um, couple of fellows here. We know 22 jersey. You guys have the bird flock 23. So uh, we knew that we had to have you on the show. And it just so happened that we found you right before your team won the Grey Cup. So um, fantastic. And couldn't be more happy for the Montreal Alouettes fan base. Every single Montreal Alouettes fan. We actually know an Alouettes fan or two, even the Alouettes tailgater, Pat swung by. Shout out Pat if you're listening, Pat. Uh, he's really good. Though. So you, you, the fan base has always been good whenever we come to Edmonton. You guys travel decently, believe it or not. <laughs> There's actually a couple of uh, Alouettes fans. Compared to some other teams, I mean, Ottawa Red Blacks, if it wasn't for the Cordy crew around the corner, we would That's see. True. Yeah, so... But yeah, no, it, the, this was awesome. this was a fantastic chat. Oh, Ryan Metter in the perch also said the Huskies look good. There you go. Yeah, I'm so smart guy. Smart guy. No, uh, yeah. So you guys are in. You guys are headed off season. Uh, we're gonna be looking forward to your content. Uh, I guess one last side question: Do you know if you guys are gonna be going full time through the off season, or are you gonna be doing like a week on week off, a bi weekly? Uh, sort of program yeah we've never had like a, a super strict you know we post mondays wednesdays whatever it's we get so excited when we interview these guys it's like how quickly can i get this episode out um so yeah we're, we're gonna be obviously chatting with these guys all off season um i assume the next few weeks are gonna be a little bit crazy and then around christmas time it'll die out but then once we get into february we're already talking new signings free agency all that so we'll be right back into the full-time swing of things so I wouldn't expect too much of a dip off from us. Perfect. No, that's great. We'll be we'll be staying tuned. Everybody, you heard it here first. These guys are just throwing podcasts up whenever they want. Okay. Okay. So, our uh, pod once again. Stay tuned. They're gonna have all the Grey Cup champions. On their channel, maybe not quite all of them, but I know how you guys work, so you guys are going to have quite a few on there. We're excited to watch those interviews and to watch those episodes, so um, yeah, we can't wait. That being said, I think think we have finally run out of time here. Um, yeah, gentlemen, where can we where where can we personal accounts? Do you guys uh, have any personal tags that you guys want to share for Instagram or for apps? Yeah, I mean, just just our names on uh, on Twitter, on Instagram. We're pretty active under our own posts too. So, um, if you see us there, don't be don't be shy to uh, to shoot your favorite hosts over a follow. We uh, we don't bite. So, yeah, we're we're pretty active under all of our own posts as well. No, perfect. Per- Thank you. No, definitely. We'll be. Uh, I'm pretty sure we followed you as the. Uh, we've done our part. Anybody else listening to the podcast, definitely go check them out. But we cannot thank everybody enough for tuning in to tonight's episode of the Elks Call. For everybody that's listening on Spotify, tune in, Edmonton Sports Talk, YouTube, on our YouTube at Shotgun Sports Network. Or, hey, even if uh, even if you're outside of the host right now listening, thank you for listening. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, f- 
for the elks herd with the elks with the elks call with the elks herd my name is Scout, aka the rep from section x and i am Catherine, aka to even elks <laughs> this was shane and dawson from the bird flock podcast and we hope everybody has an awesome night cheers thanks guys have a good night everybody